Welcome to another episode of Comedy Wham Presents with me, your host, Valerie, and sometime co-host, Miss Purrington. ComedyWham.com is your place to go for features about all Austin comedy. You can keep up with us on Twitter and Instagram at Comedy Wham or on our Comedy Wham Facebook page. In addition to podcasts, Comedy Wham brings you articles, album reviews, our advice column, Rochelle Takes on Comedy, and we've got a festivals page and our FPIA page where you can see all of the results from the Cap City contest. And of course, we're best known for our events page for live shows in Austin, Houston, and DFW. If you're a comic in those cities and want your show featured on the calendar, go to the events page and click submit a show to complete the short survey. Tag us on your Instagram stories and posts and we'll share your show promo. Looking for ways to support all these resources we provide? You can donate to Comedy Wham on PayPal, Venmo, or even Patreon. Search for Comedy Wham on Patreon and check out our subscriber perks. Now let's get back to our podcast. Launched in 2016, the podcast project brings you funny people and their stories. As a fan, I like to delve into a comic's background and motivations, and we usually take a detour along the way. Consider the interview a way for you to get to know the folks that make the Austin comedy scene one of the best in the country. If you like this podcast, please rate and review us. Today, we are talking to the co-host of Willful Ignorance and Daddy No Podcasts, and he manages the FMCW Studios, which produces some of our favorite podcasts like Those Above and Why Should We Care? Co-creator of Battle of the Sketches, it's a, that's an annual video sketch competition, and he was a semi-finalist in the 2022 Cap City Comedy Club's Funniest Person in Austin competition. He just got through recording his debut comedy album in August, and now Comedy Wham presents our guest, Josh Cabasa. Yeah. Cab- yeah. <laughs> I almost wanted to say, not Cabasa, right? <laughs> no, Cabasa. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Uh, I think the only reason I wanted to do that joke is because I'm a Lopez and I thought, well, I can get away with it. But no, that was terrible. (laughs) Welcome, Josh. Do you prefer Josh or Joshua? Because I see both everywhere. Josh is fine. I was I was told very bluntly to my face that uh, to stop saying Joshua, that to just shorten it to Josh because it makes me look like a douchebag. And I was like, all right, advice taken. Yeah. And it was somebody (laughs) that I respect. And so I was like, oh, okay. Yikes. Yeah. He's like, what do you say? It's not David Chappelle. It's Dave Chappelle. So, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, okay. I guess that, you know, can't argue with that one. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, welcome. Uh, we are, uh, it was going to have you uh, make the long trek out here to, to come see me in person, but uh, we're, we're doing this by Zoom and that's okay. We're, I, well, I know you are a recording engineer expert. I am just kind of a, I think I can do this by the skin of my teeth of actually having nice recording on my end and you've offered to put it all together. So we're, we're telling people how all this sausage gets made. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, yeah, I just learned on YouTube, so I didn't go to school or anything for it. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I learned by trial and error. So, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> well, Josh, uh, welcome. Uh, I don't know if you know about my uh, my little uh, icebreaker question to get, get things rolling, okay. uh, but I, I like to ask my guests one word to describe their past. Mm. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, I would say, I don't, what's another word? Oh, this sounds horrible. Uh, <laughs> fake. Not knowing who I am is what I mean by that. Oh, yeah. That's, that's deep. Yeah. I felt like I Um, didn't know who I was at all. Um, you're, uh, yeah, I've, I've seen you on stages before. I've, I've listened to willful ignorance. You are, you're young and you're a young dad. Um, kids don't let you be fake for very long. No, they, they make you figure out who you are real fast. Yes, definitely. Um, is so. We're just going to jump right into the the parenting part of, of Josh. Um, is that do you do you think that comedy made you face face up to who you are as a person, or being a parent uh, made you face up to that, or maybe your wife? <laughs> I guess uh, it could have been your wife too. All all, all three. Uh, there was like <laughs> progressions because. Um, 
I remember this distinctly. I was picked on a lot in high school. And I remember my mom telling me, because it got pretty bad. Um, mm. When you go to college, you can make up whoever you are. And I yeah. thought that was great. So when I went there, there was uh, Joshua. There was Big Josh. And I happened to be smaller than both of them. So I was going to be Little Josh. And I said, huh. forget that. I'm not starting. You know, I'm 17 when I go to Texas State. I'm not starting like that. So I went with Jay. And mm. I kind of created this whole character in college so nobody would, would pick on me. And then uh, I met my wife, and she's the first one to not call me Jay. She's like, I'm not calling you that. That's not your name. Your name is Josh. So that's the first progression. Whoa. And then uh, getting over, uh, uh, I had a, a real bad addiction to Vicodin back in like 2008, 2010 because of some back issues, having an overdose, and then waking up from that. Whoa. And yeah, that, that's another. And then, of course, doing comedy right after, and then, Having kids, you're right. They don't let you get away with. I can't go outside of the house without. <laughs> I cut my hair because I had I had a big old, I had a bunch of hair, and uh-huh. my daughter goes, "You have gray hair. You're not young anymore. Cut it." She's six. <laughs> She's like, oh, okay, thank you. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, when I when I was doing my research, I just learned that you had the the Daddy No podcast. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to be adding that to my rotation because I, I am fascinated by podcasts where it's a parent and their kids. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, for... I, I actually stopped doing that one in in 2020 uh, be- okay. because um, I had this thing where I was going to record like my grandmother was going through dementia, uh, uh, dementia, I was going to mm-hmm. say dimensions. My grandmother's going through dimensions. Uh, <laughs> She's going through dementia. And so I wanted, I only got to record one over the phone. I just put it, and I finally got the roadcaster. The day I get the roadcaster, the day she dies. Oh my so gosh. So after that, all the podcasts with my, my, my son, that's his first big death, his great grandma. So the podcast became us crying and I yeah. wasn't going to put that out. So it just, mm-hmm. I still do episodes every once in a while, but I keep yeah. them for us, but it's the first I want to say four years of my daughter's life. She was on the podcast from five months old all the way till she was four and a half. And wow. I got all these cool little, you know, the first time she learned how to use the bathroom, uh, her and my son having a debate, whether the earth is flat or round. <laughs> and my daughter was like, it's flat, it's flat. So, yeah. oh, amazing. Well, we've, we've gotten a really good sense of who you are just in these short minutes, but uh, I want to go into the way back machine and find out uh, from your perspective, did comedy play a role in your life growing up? Oh, definitely. Uh, the first comedy special was Eddie Murphy, uh, Delirious, and then Raw. And I'd go to my cousin's house because that was, it was like I had two families. That was my, my, my family where I was the oldest and my little brother. And it was very uh-huh. strict, but on the weekend, almost every weekend, I'd go to my cousin's house and I was the second youngest in that family, but they treated me like I was, a, you know, one of their own kids and it was do what you want pretty much. Mm-hmm. Like I, we can watch radar movies, you know, our friends can stay here till 1am. So that's when I first eight years old and I'd watch it on repeat again and again and again. And my cousins hated it after a while, but yeah, comedy, <laughs> me and him definitely, uh, that was both of our dreams. And I yeah. really, he really wanted to be a comic. I wouldn't even voice it because I thought there's no way I could ever do stand up. Yeah. So in terms of like family and you being the cut up in the family, that wasn't it at all. It was more of you were watching stand up specials. It, I would I would make them laugh, but nobody knew it's a bit. They all just thought I was a spaz. Because if I try to come up with just regular jokes, they would be like, you're corny, gross. But if I did something physical or was a spaz and and messed it up and nobody would believe me that I did it on purpose, but I'm like, I don't care as long as it makes them laugh. That's all I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Did you have aspirations to be a comic as you were growing up or was this that something that came later? Definitely. In fact, um, so after college, 08, I moved to Austin. And I was working at this place called CMC in Buda. It's a commercial metal company. And uh, I was a drafter there. And I wanted, uh, the reason I went there is because I wanted to do stand-up. So mm. this is how naive I was. I had no idea. I'm 21, 22. I have no idea how it works. I would write out my, my jokes and I'd practice them in the mayor. 
I get in the car. I drive to Cap City. This is on a Friday or Saturday. I'm driving to Cap City. I don't even know. Sign up for the mic. I was literally going to walk in and say, hey, I want to go up. Can I go up? Like a crazy person. And I'm so glad I didn't do that. On a Friday and Saturday. On a Friday and Saturday. I'm here to go up. And so um, it became towards the end where I just get in my car and I'd start shaking. And I couldn't even drive to Cap City. And then I came over to San Antonio with my wife, girlfriend at the time, uh, working a a 60-hour sales job. Dicted a Vicodin. Uh, plus Adderall, plus, I mean, I'm 160 pounds. It looks like I'm going to die. I'm 228 oh right now, which is a little, I'm a little bit, I should be probably like 200, but yeah, I was really, really skinny and people like, people could tell like, oh, you, you don't look good. I had big dark circles in my eyes. So one night I, uh, it wasn't like I'm going to kill myself. It was like, this could kill me, but I don't care. And I took a bunch mm-hmm. of Vicodin and the rest of it in the bottle. And then my heart skipped a beat. And uh, I went to the room to go tell my Girlfriend passed out on the bed, woke up 14 hours later, dumped all the Vicodin. A month later, I'm like, it felt like a reset. It felt like a reset. I'm like, no, you're going to forget all this stuff. You're going to do what you always wanted to do. And I went to Laugh Out Loud Comedy Club. The same month Raul Sanchez started. <gasps> yeah, I mean, he wow. started at the same time. And um, it was uh, the, I, my very first joke hit. Uh, the very next joke did not hit. In fact, I did the, the Ace Ventura thing and talked out of my butt for the punchline. And everybody was like, oh, what are you doing? But then I got invited to do a show with one of the producers. And I brought like 30 people out to it. And it was all the people from my sales job who I told you, got I'm a comedian now. And they all uh-huh. went there. I found out later to see me bomb. That's what they wanted oh. to see. They didn't go there to support. They're like, well, this idiot thinks he can do stand up. Let me see. I didn't kill, but they were uh-huh. like, oh, you got something. You have stage presence, you know, huh. and I had been writing these jokes. I'd written these jokes three years ago. So I had in my head, I'm like, I got my solid five minutes. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that's how I started. Okay. So you got your started in San Antonio mm-hmm. and because you're kind of working in between, uh, when did you get started in, in Austin? How long, or April. Were, were you... Well, I, I had, right I had gone back and forth. Yeah. Uh, not as much as like, uh, Raul or George. Um, but I went back and forth and then I got so much family up there. So I just stay with them or, hmm. or my studio is too late. <laughs> so I'll stay at one of those places. But I mean, the it, well, I was never going to move to LA or New York, but I feel like LA and New York moved to me. And I was like, yeah. if you don't do it now, you're, it's, you're never going to make the move. And the only reason I didn't bring my whole family up with me is my wife just finished school. My kids, uh, my son's autistic, so he's in a special school. So it's like, go up there, make your business work. Once you're making enough money, then you can move us up there. But there's no way we're following you so you can just do stand-up up there. You're out of your mind. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So your first first show was when? What year? 2010 it okay. was it was All summer right. june 2010 was the open mic and then i was working at a really good sales job making 70 80 grand no uh real bills like my bills were like 1500 so i just started producing show after show after show oh you you jumped right into producing i jumped right into producing and for the first two years uh, I finally, it was, I was getting shade thrown at me. I'd get introduced as this, the next guy is a great producer, never comic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh. And then I remember Jeff, the manager at laugh out loud told me, he goes, maybe you should stop producing so much and focus on your standup. Cause it was very raunchy. Uh, I grew up with watching a lot of comic view. So I didn't talk like I do now on stage. It was in a, uh, in an urban accent. We'll say in a very common view. Uh. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Most of the rooms that I started in were all, uh, there were black rooms. So mm-hmm. my first two years was mostly black rooms. And, okay. uh, and then I would do well also in the Valley. Um, and, but it was the, the, uh, middle-class like white rooms that I would just bomb hard. Mm. And then it took a while to figure that out. Uh, okay. So there's two concepts that I want to, uh, revisit. I'll start with the first one that you mentioned, why, why did you jump into producing and why did you jump into it 
so hard? Uh, because I, the first two months, um, I found out that I was not, uh, I was the kind of the outcast because mm. I, I went in there with a very aggressive attitude. Um, and like in my head, I was going to make it right away. Like I remember, uh, standing for diversity did a, 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 sh a, a casting call. It was like 400 comics. It was the one tone bell one. And I was on ah. the same round as tone bell. And I went up and I'm doing my jokes as hard as I can to a bunch of other comics and the judges and they look down and then I see him go up and just destroy for comics. And I'm like, there's levels to this. I'm not there yet. It really, it, it, it really, uh, humbled me. Uh, mm -hmm. and then I wasn't getting booked on shows. So I'm like, well, why do I want to, I'll book my own shows. I'll do my own shows. And so I just went to different bars, um, around mostly on the outskirts of San Antonio. And then, uh, it wasn't until I joined the blind tiger with, uh, with Jay White cotton and, and George and Raul and all them, uh, that that's what really changed. Like that changed my pacing, the way I talked. Uh, I actually did a, uh, an album in 2014 where I recorded all my sets for a year. It's called Blind Tiger Mixtape, and I put it on SoundCloud. So that was my first ah. album. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's not what I sound like today, but you can see the, the, the definitely the, where it's going, the progression. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So then the next question that I want to ask is, so you're, you're doing good in, in the black rooms, mm -hmm. but then the, the white audience, you know, doesn't yeah. take to you. What, no. do, what do you think? What it, um, do, I was pandering. I was pandering mm -hmm. and I was super vulgar. So if you're doing a, a showcase at 730 downtown at the mall ah. and it's like 16 people and you're talking just the raunchiest stuff, they don't, they're, yeah, they don't want to hear it, you know? Yeah. And then uh, somebody, one of the comics actually tallied how many times I used the F word. And he goes, you said the F word 52 times in five minutes. That was, my, that was my um. And so, yeah, yeah, they just, and I was like, I would speak, um, um, you know, 100 miles a minute. Just so a lot of times I found out um, they just didn't understand what I was saying. So. Huh. Yeah. This is so fascinating to hear because having seen you, especially having seen you very recently at the Cap City semifinals, it's like. I, I wouldn't even recognize that version of you because you're so <laughs> laid back on stage and, uh, clean, relatively clean. Oh, I mean, for Cap City, you do kind of have to yeah, play their a, game. Yeah. I did, uh, I did my, bit, I tried but, to do my, my cleanish set that night. Yeah. Uh, given that it sounds like your early personality as a comic was kind of an aggressive, you know, hustler pusher um how uh how did you receive that feedback like the the person who's telling you you dropped 52 f-bombs uh you know you're too raunchy or whatever or have, did you just let the audience tell you um i'm pretty stubborn i had it in my head <laughs> that i would force the audience to like it oh yeah yeah you're gonna like this i don't care and i'd for i'd do and I feel that way every once in a while. I'm like, well, you yeah. didn't like that. Now I'm going to go, I'm going to say this now. Yeah. Um, but for some reason, I guess I just have that face where people feel like they can tell me whatever they want. And so <laughs> they just come up to me and very bluntly tell me what they think or, or how they feel. I mean, and if I didn't respect their comedy, I would be like, okay, buddy, whatever you, you say. But uh, a lot of them like touring headliners would tell me stuff. And I'm like, all right, uh. well, you've been doing it 20 years. You know, and I wanted to gain their respect. And so yeah. um, I remember Godfrey was one of those. Like he was, <sighs> yeah, that, that guy was the dude that I, I, you know, known him for, you know, 12 years. And from the beginning to where I was, like, it, and it was funny. It took three or four times him visiting, like, every other year to finally remember my name and be like, oh, okay, you switched <laughs> that up. You, you know, but I mean, to my face, like, that was hack. That's very hack. Just want to let you Whoa. know that. Yeah, yeah. But it made me, it made me better. And I, and, I, yeah. and I appreciated that. Yeah. And then joining the blind tiger that, you know, that uh, 
family. Mm-hmm. That's the impression that I've always gotten of the of the Blind Tiger uh, venue and the people that perform there. Uh, was that easier to to take and learn? That was probably really the hardest part of that because I felt mm-hmm. like I don't I'm not funny, I don't know what I'm doing, and it took a year to to finally start switching it and then uh i mean there were so many people that went and visited it down anthony jasson at cannibal burris and stuff and you know you don't get a lot of big shows it was basically that the, the tiger show and then i would do showcases at river center for 10 people or i do laugh out loud opening for somebody that has 50 people there and so it mm-hmm. wasn't always a lot so those audiences were great and whenever those guys would visit just having them be like come up to me like good set kept me going like okay i'm on the right track i gotta yeah. you know what i mean yeah. Uh, along that. So when do you think things switched for you in terms of I figured out my formula? I know how to do this now. Last year. OK, I was going to say, you know, some people never figure it out. Yeah, last year <laughs> always... I went on tour with a comedian uh, who tried to make like, I had to be clean, which was fine. But then he I was a stay at home father for six years. So as I built my business. So he wanted me to play the, oh, I'm on my period. I'm a, I'm a, you know, a stay at home dad like that. And I'm like, that's not me. But if I wanted to go on tour with him, I needed to play into that. So I played into that and, and I was supposed to go on tour to a bunch of different places. 2020 happens. So that's all gone, you know? And then, uh, I stopped doing stand up for a while. Of course we all did. And then when I came back to it, I'm trying to remember my jokes. So I go back and I listen to myself. And I can't listen to myself. I, I'm like, I hate all this. What's wrong with you? I thought you got rid of that. There's still that there. Huh. And so I felt like, just like a, probably a lot of other comics felt, even though I'd been doing it 10 years by this point, that I was starting all over again. So I'm like, be as authentic as possible. That was my biggest goal. So I feel like the end of 2020 till now is the progression of that. Because I was already going to do another... It's supposed to be my third album because I did one in 2018 called okay. uh, Clown Poet. Um, and then, so this next one's called Toys for Sale. And uh, I scrapped a lot of that material that I was doing in 2019. And I did a bunch of new stuff. And and it feels, finally, after 12 years, like like me, the type of comedy I want to do. Yeah. Uh, tell us about, you know, I... I I don't often get a lot of this this insight from from comics that are put in this situation, but um, being told you have this great opportunity to tour with with you know whoever big big comic, but you have to do something really specific and something you've never done before mm-hmm. in order to you know be taken on the road and have this great exposure to lots of new audience members and grow your 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 own career um well it didn't really feel like my career because i would have to sell merch after and do the social media for him and take the pictures for him so nobody's coming up to me after the show really and be like hey great job it's here's the phone and i'm like Mm. and i feel like i'm up there and in in these improvs around the country with both hands tied by my back and and uh i remember he told me because uh if you ever get a standing ovation you're done it, you're, you, Holy yeah, cow. Yeah. So when he told me that, my first goal was to get a standing ovation. I was like, well, now I want one. <laughs> and so yeah, you, <laughs> I said, uh, I'm doing I'm doing really well. It's a Tempe improv. And I'm like, I know this is going to get him. And I tell a dirty joke. And wow, it's 500 people in there. It was great. And I feel it in my head. I'm like, stand up, stand up, stand up. And they, don't, they don't stand up. I get a big flat clapping break and I get off. And I remember him just fuming right there on when you get off Tempe at the stairs right there. He's like, you do that again, you're done. And then after I was like, man, I thought I was going to a, uh, a standing ovation. He goes like, do you not want to tour with me? I'm like, I do, but <laughs> you can't tell me not to dunk the ball when I know I can dunk the ball. Let me do it. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. Uh, I hate hearing those kinds of stories. I mean, I know they're, they happen, but I, I just hate hearing well, it, about the, it the one positive thing i'll say is that it made me write cleaner for so long so mm. for those years of writing clean now a lot of the stuff i'll say is quirky and weird but a lot of it's clean because my mm. mind's not in that same mindset yeah 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 
uh, how do how do your kids uh, react to your your comedy career? Do they they think it's cool? They think I'm famous, and <laughs> oh, it's so sweet. But it really stinks because <laughs> in a few years, when they really know how to read well, they're gonna be like, "Wait a minute, you're not famous." And I tell them, "I'm like, I'm not." I mean, I was. I remember we're at my mom's house this summer. And I'm like trying not to tear up in the pool because my son, I'm swimming with him. He just learned how to swim. And he goes, dad, are you famous? And I'm holding him. I was like, no. He's like, well, you're famous to me. And he gives me a big oh. hug. And I'm like, ooh, <laughs> try not to, <laughs> not to cry. But I mean, they, to them, because just like other little kids, they see me on YouTube. Well, YouTube to them is like mm -hmm. Netflix. So they're like, how is he yeah. not famous? I see you on there. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, how did uh, your your friendship with with George start up? And, and uh, <laughs> he did not like me at all. No, no. no. We got all, so George started a year after me and Roll, and I was I hosted for two years. I hosted all the mics or all the, the Laugh Out Loud mic and a bunch of other ones, but it was a four hour mic. It started eight when he Oof. we wouldn't leave till twelve. But the reason I wanted that is because I I was the host. It would do ten seconds. 15 seconds in between each comic, but I made wow. it like a show and it was actually, it was packed the whole time. And so George comes up to me cause he kept getting bumped because headliners are coming through. And that was the rule. You're a headliner, a feature or opener, you get to bump. So you're talking yeah. about 15 bumps going through. And he goes, man, I keep getting bumped. When do I go up? And I go, what's your name? And he shows, he's like, George. And I was just like, oh, okay. I go, how, how long you been doing this? And he goes, this is my first time. I go, Pff. and I turn around, I walk away. <laughs> Like a like oh douche, God. douche. I so he goes, dude. I I just felt this wave of anger come over my body, and I wanted to punch you in the back of the head. You just walked away, and I felt stupid, and I could do nothing about it. And I was just like, oh, I don't remember that, but I apologize. So I, it, it, that was our first, but uh, uh, interaction, and then me, him, and Raul started hanging out, and I kept trying to sun George because I'm like, yeah, this is how comedy works, and this, is how, and then Raul turns to me, and he goes. Stop sunning him. You're new too, stupid. And I'm like, oh, damn. Okay. I thought we were the cool ones. And he's like, no. And so, yeah. And we've been uh, hanging out ever since. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you did, did the, the sketch fest come first or did willful ignorance come first? The sketch fest. We started it in seven years ago. Started seven years okay. ago. It was called sketch fest 3000. It was George's idea. And then we ended up changing it to Battle of the Sketches. And I just, I, I ran with it. I ran with it because I was like, I really like this. Um, and so uh, I feel like I, I take him with me every year kicking and screaming. <laughs> but uh, we, yeah, I, I really enjoy it. Yeah. And just for, for the uninformed, it's, it's, it's people submit sketches. Mm -hmm. And you, you, you had in-person festivals uh in with the finalists right or was it more than the finalists so we used to do it uh different rounds so we okay. first uh 2019 we traveled we went to all the improvs and the secret group and uh we should we you know for each one each city here in texas and then 2020 happened so we did a an online version so there's online and then we did a um a drive-in and then hmm. 2021 uh the the Alamo Draft House opened back up again, so we did it there. And now this year, um, it was uh, we were supposed to have it um, at a few places, uh, but things just fell apart, and so hmm. it's it we're not having it till April of next year, and it was supposed okay. to be October of this year. Ah, yeah. okay. Well, a little bit of a break, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely. And now we're just having a finals and I, I love seeing um, the sketches from all around the world. Like I've, I learned that Australia has some of the best cartoonists. Um, huh. for, yeah, for some reason we get, maybe because they're locked down so much right now that they still, that they just have no time but to animate. You know what I mean? I have all that time. <laughs> yeah. um, a lot of the European ones are silent. Yeah, a lot of slapstick. Um, and then... LA, they want to show off their, their, how, the, how well they can act. Hmm. And, uh, some of my favorite ones are from New York. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, are there, you know, I don't know, maybe this is just me, but I think sketch troops or groups kind of rose to some level of prominence because the please don't destroy guys 
started to work on SNL. And I wonder, are there any, you know, you've been around for seven years. Are there any sketch groups that you, you know, watched in your first few years of the sketch fest or sorry, battle the sketches that now they're like big time. Well, we've had like actors and stuff that are already made it submit. So mm -hmm. like, um, you ever seen Dexter? Yeah. The, the Cuban cop. Uh huh. Him. He, he did one. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was about, uh, um, Santa's and somebody, <laughs> a kid or an older guy who, who thinks like a kid kidnaps one of the mall Santa's and then he plays part of the mall Santa cops and he works for Santa and he goes in there and he gets him out. And I was like, Oh, I know this guy. Huh. Um, there's a couple of people that have been on, um, I, I think it was called cake on FX or FFX or FXX or something okay. like that. Yeah, and it was like, those. uh, some of the shorts that they had submitted to us, they, they, they like revamped it, but they got it in there. Um, wow. yeah. So there's, there's a few, no, nobody has blown up, which some of them I'm like, man, you're going to be super famous, but you know, yeah. nothing yet. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's really cool that they're doing that. And it's really interesting to hear the perspective of, you know, Australians are dominating in the, in the animation area. And this is what your Europeans are, are doing. Um, are there, are there submissions from countries that are like, either you're really surprised that somebody actually submitted from that country or they're kind of known for oppression or Iran. This guy, really? this guy from Iran and it was like, and I don't even know if it was a comedy. I have no idea, huh. but it just, the way it looked was so cool. It was 10 huh. minutes long too. I was like, I'm putting this one in there. This looks so cool. And people watch yeah. it like, what are we watching? But I mean, I, that one. And for some reason out of, um, Eastern Europe, uh, people send us basically porn. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. And we click on it and I'm like, this is not a comedy. Thank yeah. you for the submission, but this is not a comedy. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I guess some people don't read the, these are the criteria. <laughs> no, they just look at the price and they'll go down and submit to a bunch of different things. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's hilarious. Okay. Well, we're going to take a little intermission here and we're going to do this little card game thing. Uh, if I can find where I, I thought I set the two cards down. Oh, there they are. Okay. So uh, this card game, where should we begin? And uh, oh gosh, I don't even know if the, my left and your right or my left, my right even is going to translate. So uh, do you want, <laughs> do you want, the, and of course, you know, people can't see this because we're doing this on, on Zoom, but do mm. you want uh, this card? Well, you can't, this card or this card? I'll take that. One or two? Two. I'll take two. <laughs> two. Okay. All right. So I'm going to read two to you, but in uh, the meantime, I'm going to take a picture of oh, the one you're going to read to me. I'm trying not to read it. Okay. <laughs> and I'm going to send that to you so that you can ask me in a moment. Got it. Okay. So, uh, the one I'm going to read to you, I think. <laughs> that was, all right, here we go. What a nightmare. What, <laughs> see, this, this is way smoother when yeah. it's, you know, in person. All right. Got it. Uh, I got Josh, mm -hmm. <laughs> a text message I regret sending. I love you to my boss. Was, serious? Yeah, because he, he, I thought he would joke around about it, but he felt very weird about it and like talked to me. He's like, you can't be sending me messages like that. I was like, I don't, I don't love you like that. I didn't mean to send you. I love you. Like it was for somebody else. Uh-huh. And so it was just, uh, <laughs> it was, it was very, very, very awkward. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, you, you had that locked and loaded and ready. Cause I remembered it's a core memory, <laughs> like having to sit down at a meeting, uh, with my boss was, yeah, not, huh. she's female, wow. female boss. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah you, you, yeah, that, yeah. I could see that could be a little, <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 I promise. That's not what I, <laughs> okay. Did you get the text? Yes, I did. All right. Okay. 
All right. Yours is, I'm the most judgmental when it comes to. Ooh. Oh, man. Uh, I, I will say I'm a very judgmental person. Most people don't realize that because I, I think I try to keep that clamped down. But my family knows I'm super, super judgmental. Uh, probably in public, the most judgmental thing I am is, uh, is about manners mm. um, and definitely around the table, you know, eating Elbows manners. on the table. Yeah, yeah, that kind of, oh my gosh. Uh, I mean, you know this, but kids kind of break you of some of your like hard and fast rules. And I gave a, gave up such a long time ago about <laughs> insisting my, my son not have his elbows on the table. It's like, all right, fine. I just have to <laughs> so, say, slow down. That's what I always tell him. Slow down. Breathe. Oh, he's like, <laughs> <laughs> oh I, I probably need that. Uh, Mine is work to be told ethic. that too. Yours is what? Work ethic. Mm. Yeah. 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 I, I could, uh, I, I'm going to go into a little bit of a lecturing mode here because in the comedy world, like we, we give a free platform to, to comics to post their events. And yes, we're not as big and flashy as do 512. Uh, we also don't get the advertising dollars that do 512 gets, uh, but you know, it's free advertising and it takes like one minute to post your show. So why wouldn't you? I'm going to do that. I didn't know that. Oh, really? Yeah, no, I had no <laughs> idea. So now I know. <laughs> yeah. It's like you could post your flyer and it's, it's a really cool website and you yeah. can do it on your phone. You can do it on a computer. And it's like, why wouldn't you take advantage of something silly like that? So that's we're, my, we're my lazy. little, we're, we're, I, I feel lazy. I feel very lazy. And, but. I get a lot of, hey man, I got this idea for a sketch or for a podcast. And what they're telling me is, hey, make me a sketch or a podcast. I'm like, I'm not working yeah. for you. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there, there's definitely that too. Um, but, you know, for those comics who religiously submit their shows, man, I got to tell you, I love you. I really love that you do that because it means you care about getting your your show out to as many people as possible. And even if you're the most popular show in the world, you could still join the the events page. You know, let people know that you're the most popular show. Let fans know. Because the, the page isn't just for... It's not just for the comics, it's for audiences too. So Well, you're gonna be seeing a you're seeing a bunch of stuff for me, so Yay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Well, you know, I I think I think San San Antonio has a version of what we do, so yeah, that's why we yeah. So that's why we've not, you know, we are in three cities, but that's why we're not specifically in San Antonio. Cause I don't, I'm not into stepping toes, mm. uh, on what other people do, but you know, um, if, if people, I mean, you got a wanted, lot on your plate already though. I mean, with Austin itself. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Let's go back and, and talk about Josh. Okay. Okay. So we've talked about battle of the sketches. We've talked about, uh, willful ignorance. You guys are like into the several hundreds of episodes at this mm -hmm. point, right? Like almost over 300. Uh, we're about to release 200, uh, for willful ignorance and 100 for Raul's, uh, nobody happy. Oh, I didn't even know you, there was a Raul podcast. Yeah. It's on Raul oh, okay. Sanchez. Uh, so I do, a. uh, so I switched it from FMCW Studios to Comedy Frequency because nobody ah. could ever remember the letters. And um, I'm yeah. in the middle of launching it. I have the website and everything up, comedyfrequency.com, but I also help produce other people's YouTube channels. So Raul is, is one of those. And he's his, that podcast is getting into thousands of, of views. So it's really building. Wow. Well, he's, he's so amazing. And he tours the country and the world. I, I imagine he's touring the world at, at this point too. And he just picks up all these fans everywhere he goes. Yeah. They really like him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was not lucky enough to interview him in there in our early days. Uh, Laura Smith was, was contributing to the interviews and she got to interview him. So uh, maybe, maybe I'll get a chance at a volume two interview with him one day. Yeah. He's about to <laughs> headline cap again. They just called him. So 
nice. Yeah. Nice. After yeah. like three years. Yeah. So now that you're splitting your time and, and doing much more in Austin and you, I mean, you obviously saw what the Austin scene was like before the pandemic. Um, what, what have, what are your thoughts on what's been happening with the Austin scene? Um, I, uh, this first wave of comics that came through, it was funny. Cause I would stay, I'd stay real quiet and I'd hear just people, you know, get mad and I don't like this person. Yeah. I don't like that person. I'm like, okay. Um, but if you didn't, I don't know, say it, integrate, <laughs> if you didn't, you know, try to get mm -hmm. on other shows. Cause I saw a lot of comics are like, I'll never do that show. And now they're on the show and I'm like, all right, well, I guess we saw, you know, uh, the interesting part I think is when Rogan's opens up, there's going to be a wave of not four or five year comics, which was what I felt we got a lot of in Austin. Yeah. You know, they, they got there in their three years. So it's kind of like, uh. They got to, to create their own voice and say a lot of stuff that if you had said it in Austin before, you're done. You can't, mm -hmm. you can't say that. But now right. there's places where that's all they want. And yeah. it's weird how they kind of train the audience to want that. So you, it's weird in Austin. It feels like you're in two different cities when you go do a show, let's say at the Vulcan, and then you go shoot, do a show at Spider House. And it's like, those are two different audiences. You can't yeah. do the same material. You get better switch it up. Um, yeah. but it's going to be very interesting when Rogan's opens up because you're going to see a lot of 10, 12, 15 year comics move here. Comics that aren't, uh, you know, doing it. They've been doing it a long time, but they're not necessarily in the comedy store or in, in the, uh, cellar. So, mm -hmm. uh, they're going to be moving here and the competition, the, it's going to get real cutthroat, I think. Um, uh -huh. and I kind of like that. I don't know why I kind of thrive huh. on that, but that's because the system I grew up in grew up came up in, in San Antonio was very much cutthroat and I have my own way of working things. Like you said, I'm not going to step on anybody's toes, but mm -hmm. I'm not going to let you run me over. Yeah. So I think it's going to be, uh, it's going to be really interesting. This, the, the next year, I think it hasn't even, this is just a taste of it. It hasn't even grown that much because Rogan's club is going to be like comedy store, or the seller. There's only one of them. And that dude is worth a lot of money. So even if our financial system kind of goes really bad, he's not mm -hmm. closing. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. I, I kind of liken it to, um, you know, the big cities offer you something for almost every, every taste. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can go to Cap City and see something. Um, clean isn't the word, but, you know, kind of mainstream. Mm hmm and you can go to Vulcan to see like the really uh, raunchy. I wouldn't I wouldn't call yeah the the more raunchy stuff the stuff where that you can't get away with it cap and you know yeah. each each venue seems to to you know have its its own flavor and you know it's it's good for the informed audience co uh, comedic uh, or comedy audience to know mm -hmm. but if they don't know Boy, they could get in for a rude awakening if they end up at one place. But what they really had a flavor for as far as comedy is a, a different place. Yeah. So definitely. Yeah. And it's funny watching all the uh, the little uh, uh, what's his name? One that was uh, um, fired from SNL or gotten off of SNL. Oh, um, uh, Shane? Shane. Shane Gillis. Gillis. There's a lot of Shane Gillis babies where they yeah. hold the mic <laughs> and they do that. Uh, a lot uh -huh. of. Um, um, I'm forgetting everybody's name. He's from Nashville. Uh, Nashville. Not Norm McDonald. I'm, I'm, um, <laughs> I can't remember. He's from Nashville. Uh, uh, Paul, not Theo. Not Theo Vaughn. No, he's very clean. Really clean. Nate? Nate Bardetsky. Nate? Yeah, Nate. Okay. Where they put their hand behind their back and they do this. And it's oh. funny because I'm watching all these comics. The, the one that I'm seeing, uh, Little Babies of Now. Is, and it's really cool because he's a new comic, Casey Rocker. Uh -huh. I'm oh. seeing comics acting like him. Really? And I'm like, Whoa, that's no. Yeah, and I'm like, you're not gonna <laughs> hold that energy like he does because that's him. You're trying to act uh -huh. like him. Yeah. So I think that uh, this new melting pot of all these different comics from all over the country is gonna create a lot of new styles. Yeah. Uh, and and I'm excited for that and. And that was one of the main reasons I wanted to, I, was, I had looked for a year and a half on 6th Street for a place to have the, the podcast studio. Because I was like, I need to be across from that. I need to be across yeah. from his because it's like, 
it's like how can I put it like um like Gold's Gym opened up and I'm the protein shop. You know what yeah. I mean? They all want podcasts. <laughs> it's a gold rush. Yeah. I'm gonna sell the shovels. You yeah. Know? And and then I, I cut it off hard at eight. At eight, there's no more podcast. So then mm. I get to go do stand up at night. Yeah. Huh. Eh, smart, smart businessman when you well, you know, when you have to, you you're you figure out how to be smart in your business. Yeah, there's no way yeah. I could come back after a week of being in Austin back to San Antonio and tell my wife, like, yeah, I made $150. She'd be like, um, no, I'm killing you. You're no. <laughs> so as long as she keeps seeing the money pour in the account, she's fine with it. She's happy. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, how does she feel about being a part of your your set and having your kids be a part of the stuff that you talk about on stage? And I'll preface this by saying, like I said, the last few times that I've seen you on a stage, it has been at Cap City. Mm-hmm. So it might have been a different set than you might do elsewhere. They, uh, my First of all, my wife's very supportive. She actually owns half the company. So, ah. yeah, she's on the LLC and everything. <laughs> um, and uh, we, we we help each other by piggybacking off. Like I, sold, I did sales so she can get through school. And then when she got done, then I um, stayed home with the kids and did comedy and then uh, she went back and got her master's and luckily I had the business at the time. So I didn't have to go mm-hmm. back to work cause I was already working. And so now she's just finished that and she's, she's, uh, going to be a mat- occupational therapist, but she's very supportive. I do. I tell her a lot of my jokes and I hate it that she, when I sell, tell her something, she's like, that's not going to work. And I'm like, I'll show you. And then 90% <laughs> of the time it doesn't work. And I'm like, oh. uh-huh. <laughs> and she goes and she, she, she doesn't watch all my sets. She goes every six months. So every six months she'll go and watch me because she's like, I don't want to hear the same stuff. And she just makes sure she goes, I'm just making sure that you're getting better. And, uh, my kids, uh, hate that. I I joke about them. I said, cause (laughs) I made an animation for my last album and it was Uh about about potty training my son. So I I have him, I drew him on the toilet, wiping his butt and showing the (laughs) the thing. And then he was just like, I can't believe you put me on there. And now he thinks it's cool. Now he tells uh, his friends and stuff. So oh, yeah, nice. yeah, yeah, he's like, my dad has a cartoon about me, but, but at the time he, in his head, he's like, you just put me on Netflix and now everybody thinks I don't know how to wipe my butt. Mm. I'm like, oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> he tells my mom, my mom's like, you're going to give him a complex. You're going to give him a complex. I was like, you oh. know, I talk about you too, right? She's like, what do you say? What do you say about me? <laughs> um, was this year the first year that you competed in the, the Cap City FPIA? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did it feel? And you, you've, I'm no doubt you've known about the contest for, you know, the years that you've been in comedy. I did, but how, I didn't have an address. So then, right. Yeah. So right. once but I had an address. you knew how, how big of a deal the contest was. I, I do. Um, a lot of it is... Uh, uh, low self-esteem and so mm. a main reason if you look up my name and stuff I don't have a fan page I don't have any of that stuff I barely got headshots in like 2020 mm. and but I pushed comedy frequency and FMCW studios and battle sketches because in my head if I push the companies it's not me and yeah. I had this and I'm barely getting over over it this year like that's your ego that's your ego that's not low self-esteem um and yeah, I just didn't want that, uh, that backlash because the first two years, my face was on everything. I mean, mm-hmm. I just all the time, and it wasn't FMCW studios. It was funny man, comedy works is what it was originally called. And then I changed it because somebody told me like, so it's only men, only men are funny. And I'm like, <gasps> Oh no, that's not what I meant. <laughs> my mom's the one that came it up with the, with the, the, the name. <laughs> and she was like, uh, so I changed it to FMCW studios and now I changed it again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how did it feel making it to the semifinals? I was, I was super excited. The first, I mean, both times I showed up an hour and a half early oh. and I was outside and I went over my set again and again and again. And, uh, they thought I worked there because I went in a black t-shirt and they let me in. <laughs> They're like, I go, so where do I check in? They're like at the bar. And I'm like, no, no, no. for the competition. <laughs> No, they're like, oh, you don't work here? And I'm like, oh. no. I'm like, oh, oh okay. God. You got to wait outside. And I was like, oh, all right, all right. And so 
the first round, I I don't know what it was. I just had like, like I felt like I was on the right frequency. Like it just everything, you know, felt like yeah. it flowed. And then I liked my semifinal set, but there was two jokes where I felt like I. I stumbled on the timing, so nobody knew. I never came out the back because I was the last one, but I was uh-huh. in the back yelling at myself like, "You messed <gasps> it up!" Yeah, and I'm a sore loser. I'm such a sore uh. loser. So <laughs> as soon as they didn't call my name, I immediately walked off stage and walked out of the building. And it's oh, not like man. I hate all you guys. You didn't deserve to win. I'm mad at myself. So yeah. now I go in the car and I'm doing the set again and again and again. You know, and it's like, well, why can't you do? It? Why couldn't you do it just like that? Why did you mess mm-hmm. up on that? You know. And so, um, yeah, it took me about, a about two weeks to, to, to get over it. Cause there's people who I produce their podcasts who've been doing comedy less than half than I was. And they were in the finals and mm-hmm. I gotta tell myself, like, I'm so happy for you, but also get away from me <laughs> like, I'm just, cause I'm a sore loser, but I, I mean, I got over it and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. You are, you are super hard on yourself. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> uh, is that something that you think you'll ever change about yourself? Because, you know, the contest is no, my every mom's, year. My mom's like that. Uh, my mom's like that. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I was the same way when I did uh, Funniest in South Texas. And then I remember the last year, it was my seventh year doing it or sixth year, one of the two. And my wife told me, she goes, this is the last time you do this competition. Mainly because she's like, I don't want to deal with you losing and then for a week, you're moping around the house. I don't want to go through that. So this is your last time. <laughs> and I ended up winning it. So it was very exciting. <laughs> Maybe that's all she needs to do is just threaten you. It's yeah, like, yeah, no more yeah, FPIA. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, no more FPIA. And, my, and what was cool is the first show, my family, who had never seen me do stand-up, showed up in Austin. And my uh. uncle's like, he's... He'll tell you to your face, like, you suck. You're not. Yeah, because I remember working for him in construction and telling him, I want to be uh, I want to be an architect. I'm going to go back and I'm going to get my degree in architecture. And he goes, no, you're not. And I was like, what? <laughs> he goes, no, you're not. And I'm an idiot. I showed him where I was doing, uh, I was doing all the curb in front of the police uh, uh, station on 6th Street. So we did all uh-huh. that curb, right? And uh, I remember just pointing at the, the um, Chase Bank, I think it is, the big tall one. I was like, you see that? That's an owl. That's and the arch- It's not an owl. I found out it's not at all. Yeah. And I'm telling him about this, and he goes, you know why? I you're not gonna do it. And he goes, because I don't see the fire in your eyes. You have no fire, mm-hmm. no passion. And then with this past competition, he was like, wow, I see the fire in your eyes. Oh, like, oh, thank you, man. That's I appreciate nice. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was he was really surprised. He called my dad up because my dad won't. Has never seen me do stand up. He won't. Huh. He says I do the devil's work. So oh. he, yeah, he's very, Yikes. very Catholic. And huh. so he, uh, in fact, I did my uh, album in my hometown. He was like, I'm not going. I was like, <gasps> I didn't expect you to go. And so, oh. yeah. And so, um, yeah, like that, 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 uh, those little things kind of like just, you know, feel like you're going in the right direction and you just kind of cling on to that. Mm hmm. You are uh, juggling a lot of things in the comedy universe with the the sketches, the the podcast, the studio. Uh, sorry, the podcasts, plural. Uh, your studio and then your stand up career. Uh, how do you prioritize which one to focus on? Family, family first, mm-hmm. and if because I was I was neglecting them, and. Uh, and uh, so that's first, like I'll drop everything and I'll, I'll go back to San Antonio for them, you know, mm. um, and to realize like what you're doing is what you want to do. But in the grand scheme of things, it's not a big deal. So yeah. don't take yourself so seriously. And I've been told a lot of times, like you're doing too much stuff because I'll like my like, that's why I think I'm sick right now, because I w- work like too many hours in a row. And mm. uh, but in my head, it's not pick one and then do that. It's everything has to work or none of it will. Like in my head, I gotta, I gotta help build Raul. I gotta help build George. I gotta help build all these other comics as well as myself. I, I have to, I, my thought process was I couldn't get past any gatekeepers. I mean, I've, I've auditioned for Netflix, HBO, AGT, nothing's ever happened. And I'm mm-hmm. like, there's something either lacking or something they can't 
they don't know where to group you in. So become your own gatekeeper and take the people with good work ethics with you. So that yeah. was my thought process behind it. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good way of thinking about, you know, keeping family first and then the other stuff falls in place. It's nothing yeah. like having a good family support system. It definitely helps. And also realizing that you can't pull people with you who don't want to be pulled. So it's mm. now it's like, I'm going to run. And if you want to run with me, let's go. But there's no mm -hmm. way I can, it sounds arrogant. I can't put you on my back and run because there was yeah. a few people that I worked with. It felt like that's what I, I did everything. And then they just showed up and, you know, either did the podcast and that was it. And then I was doing everything else. And so I've learned to separate friendship in the business and be like, and, and not like you're done. I'm done working with you. I let them, yeah. I, I no longer like called like, Hey, we're doing the podcast. Hey, you got a guest. Hey, I'm not on top of them. So two weeks would go by and be like, Hey, are we going to do the podcast? I'm like, I don't know. It's not my podcast. Huh. It's your podcast. So you let me know. And yeah. then a few more weeks would come by and they'd be like, Hey, can I do it at this time? I got somebody. I'm like, no, I'm busy. Like you can't just tell me, Hey, a month later, Hey, I got this one person I want to, you know, put, get on. So I, I, I had to explain it to them. And a lot of the times it was just like, they treated me like I was their boss. I'm like, I'm not your boss. This is a partnership, but I'm not mm -hmm. going to care about your thing more than you do. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Uh, when we put out our podcast episodes, we have an article that goes along with it that we write up and we have these little pull quotes areas. Hmm. And I'm thinking you've said so many profound things. <laughs> <laughs> we might have to do more than our usual couple of, of pull quotes. <laughs> so. Appreciate it. Uh, um, we're going to, uh, start winding down. Is there something that, uh, uh, actually I'm looking at some of my, 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 uh, questions that I sometimes pull from, um, since you're kind of home based and that, that touring thing didn't work out ideally, uh, before the pandemic is, is touring something that you would want to get back to, or is, is family time too, too difficult right now for you to do that kind of thing? So I'm, I'm 37. My goal is by f before 40, which is a long time, three years, uh, <laughs> <laughs> before I'm 40 is, uh, I want to be a, a regular at cap city and at Rogan's and then, and then go from there. Like I, I just have so much going on in Austin, you know, that uh -huh. I want to, I really want to work. I love that Austin has become this place now, you know, but before the pandemic, Austin was stepping stone to LA or New York. And now Austin is stepping stone to Austin and pe people can make careers uh, living here. So I love that. Okay, cool. Um, Okay, so are there things that we haven't talked about that you want people to know about you? Yes, if you need your podcast produced, I produce podcasts off of 6th Street across from the Vulcan at the Comedy Frequency, uh, address 421 East 6th Street. So um, let me know if you'd like your, uh, if you need podcast production. And I don't just do comedy, huh. I do other um you know, if it's a business podcast or anything like that, I can do those as well. Okay. And how many podcasts do you produce now? So some are weekly, some are two times a week uh -huh. uh, for their Patreon and some are monthly. So I think with all of them, I would say somewhere less than 20, I think. Yeah. Somewhere around 16 to 18. Okay. Well, uh, Josh, if you're ready, we're going to wrap up with my closing question. One word to describe your future. Great. Short and sweet and focused, very focused. All right. Well, that is a wrap on Comedy Wham presents Josh Cabaza. Josh, tell us where we can find you on social media, websites, etc., and uh, your upcoming projects. 
You can find me at the comedyfrequency.com um, or just Google my name, Joshua Kawasa. Um, there's nobody else in the United States with my name, so I got lucky with that. Wow. Well, there was one other person, but they changed their last name. So now I'm the only person with that name. So if you Google me, like the first seven pages will pop up and that's uh. every all the social media plus other stuff that I don't even know about that you can find. Just Google me. I know that sounds pretentious, but yeah. <laughs> when can we expect the album to be available? So my album, Toys for Sale, is what I'm calling it, uh, will be coming out July 31st of uh, next year. And the reason I'm putting it out on that date is because that on that date, 30 years ago, um, I came out in the newspaper. Hmm. Uh, I was seven years old. It was the summer. It was me and my little brother and uh we wanted we wanted pizza right and we didn't have any money because my parents are at work and it's just us and the babysitter and she doesn't have any money so um and my parents of course aren't going to leave me money so we can buy pizza every day so i tell my little brother i'm like hey man let's go try to sell your toys just outside in our front in our front yard we're going to sell our toys specifically his toys because i convinced him i was like yeah but you got the better toys i'd like to sell my toys but nobody's going to buy them and he's three years old and he agrees like, yeah, I do have the better toys. <laughs> so we took a few of his toys and I got a towel and I put it outside and I just lay like, there's like six, seven of them. I lay there on the, on, and me and him are outside. He's holding a big thing of water and I have a sign and it says toys, 25 cents. Not even thinking how many toys I would have to sell in order to get $10 to buy pizza. <laughs> so a car rolls up, man pops out. Oh. Yeah. That no no supervision, just a seven-year-old, three-year-old in the front yard. I don't know where the lady's at. She's inside the house. So anyway, he comes up to us with a camera. And he goes, what are y'all doing? And I gave him this whole sob story <laughs> on how um, my dad lost his job oh and we're having to move. So we have to sell our stuff because we can't take it with us. And he's just like, oh, man, well, do you mind if I... I do a story on you guys and i was like no no didn't ask my parents nothing just he's asking a seven-year-old and a three-year-old can i do a story on you guys and i was like yeah sure just uh just buy a toy he's like okay which toy and i was like any toy you want he goes okay how much i go 10 bucks and he goes but that's not what your sign says i was like do you want the story or not whoa he's like all right and he gave me 10 bucks and <laughs> We get whatever toy, and so we take a picture, you know, he runs the story, we get our pizza, my parents come home that night from work, and my mom's mad, she's like, well, she thought I wrote a, a hot check, because when I was five years old, she gave me deposit slips, told me they were checks, and I wrote it out like it was a check, called pizza, gave it to him, the guy was like, is this real, I was like, yeah, it's good, then they call my mom at work, saying, hey, your son's writing hot checks, she's like, my son's five, what are you talking about? So anyway, she's mad. She's like, no, how did you get the pizza? And I tell the story again. She doesn't believe me. Well, the paper comes out a few days later. And on the third page is her two kids. And it, it's, the title says Toys for Sale. And it says Josh and his brother, seven and three, are selling toys because his parents or his family's having to make a move. So it's a small town. It's 93. So people read the paper. So my mom starts getting calls from friends and family saying, what happened? You're, you lost his job. And da, da, da. She was like, no, Josh. And she told him the whole story of what I did. And nobody was like, oh, that's insane. No, they're like, yeah, that's something Josh would do. That makes a lot of sense. So uh, it's that's 30 years from that date that I'll be putting it out. And um, yeah, that'll be my album. That's an amazing, amazing story. Oh, my gosh. No wonder you were killing it in sales. <laughs> All right. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed learning about how Josh got to be the comedic genius that you heard today just as much as I have. This has been Comedy Wham presents Josh Cabaza. I'm Valerie, and that's been funny. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Valerie and Comedy Wham for, for letting me be a guest on this and, and uh, letting me talk about my uh, ventures.
Uh, my album will be available July 31st. 31st? 31st? July 31st. I was on a lot of medication, like when I was saying when we did this podcast. So I remember thinking back, I was like, "Why did I say that?" Great at the thing, the first thing I said was fake. Ugh. Let me start that over again. Bah. I was ten years old. It was 1993, and uh, it was the summer, and it was my brother. No, I wasn't ten years old. I was seven years old. Apologize. Dang. All right, start it over. So my album is July 31st. Ugh. My voice sounds different too. That's the uh, when I was sick, it sounded more down here, and now it sounds higher. The album will be coming out on July thirty first, July thirty first, July thirty first, twenty twenty three. Oh, the dog's barking now. Great. Maybe can you close the door.